I'm Leslie Torres. And I'm Bronna Marks. And together we co-host West Coast Mix and Bounce. For all things West Coast NBA. That's right. We cover the Lakers, Clippers, Warriors, and yes, the Kings and the Suns. When there's something good to talk about. We have a new and fun episode every two weeks where we break down the craziest headlines in the NBA that pertain to the West Coast teams. We are such a niche podcast that you won't find anywhere else. I mean, two girls with experience in the field talking West Coast basketball. Um, yeah, you want to listen. This is West Coast Mix and Bounce brought to you by LAFB Network. All right, so I think we should first start talking about the Lakers. I'm watching the game right now, so they just beat the Bucks 113 to 106. Oh and gosh. the Lakers have been blowing out teams on the road, except on Monday, which they couldn't do against the Warriors. But before we even get into that, um, let's talk about it. The Lakers have been on a very hot streak, winning all their away games. They're blowing out teams and let's go back to the Lakers Rockets game where they beat the Rockets 117 to 110 yes and at this remember at this point the Rockets still had James Harden so just in case you're listening or watching and you're unaware James Harden is no longer with the Houston Rockets he got traded to the Brooklyn Nets that is an East Coast team so we won't get much into it but um, yeah, Harden was still on the team, and he was doing everything I guess he possibly could to win. But the Lakers were just much more efficient against the Rockets, and they took advantage of that. Did you watch the game? What did you think? What did you see that you liked from the Lakers? Just to make sure, this is the game where they won 117 to 100? Or is that the... 117 to 110. 110. Yes. So it was the... Because so, they had a doubleheader, right? They played the Rockets twice in a row. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, you um, could pick any of the games. <laughs> yeah. So they, won, so they won twice in a row against Houston. And granted, like you said, James Harden was going through his own personal stuff. So there was a lot going on um, yeah. as far as uh, just drama and stuff like that. But no, I, I think the Lakers were definitely able to, um, you know, play, play a solid game against a team that has... Um, James Harden on on it while he was, I guess, playing. I mean, he was he really wasn't playing. But <laughs> um, I think overall the Lakers are having a good run because that's the run where they they won like five in a row, and that was kind of the start of that that speed that they had. And what I'm loving about the Lakers is that it looks like everybody knows their role, uh, and I think that so early on to have that chemistry is like could be very very dangerous for them um just looking back on the past few games just besides you know Houston when they played the Pelicans um and they crushed them so when they when they played the Rockets uh AD had 19 points but LeBron obviously led the way with 26 um and they were able to basically shut down the Rockets' starting lineup. I mean, a lot of them were – the whole starting lineup for the Rockets was in the negatives, including P.J. Tucker, including John Wall. Um, and 
just that start off as far as like the five game winning streak, you can really tell up against an energetic team like Houston, even though they weren't playing to their top caliber and they, you know, going through what they're going through, um, the Lakers did. They did a solid job. And twice in a row at Houston, right? So Yeah. I mean, they took advantage of the situation. If they would have lost against the Rockets, it would have looked pretty bad on them. But it was an easy game. And I think it was that one game where um, LeBron had that look away three and he had, he had like a whole bet with Dennis Schroeder on the side. So, I mean, yes. how much more easier can that game got, could have gotten for them? So, I mean, if you want a metaphor for how easy it's been for the Lakers, that's clearly it. But, um, yeah, after the Rockets, they went ahead and they played OKC, which they also won by a lot. I think that one was... Um, 128 to 99. 299. So they won by a lot. And they keep on blowing blowing these teams out. And um, and it's it's crazy because it's giving them a lot of time to rest, especially for the superstars like LeBron and Anthony Davis. And, um, even, and in places like OKC, where the Lakers usually have trouble winning at, they're finding a way to win. And it could be because, you know, there is no fans. So that could be a factor as to why the Lakers are off to such a hot start on the road they continue it they just won right now against the bucks and so maybe that's kind of um what's helping them on the road and they're also winning by a lot so they're resting their stars and very important when you have 35 year old lebron james very important when you have a superstar like anthony davis who's kind of injury prone so i mean yeah, I was looking up the stats, and LeBron is currently averaging a career low 32 minutes per game. A career and low, he, wow. Yeah, and he beats it by a whole three minutes. So he is underplaying, and they're keeping him, like, steady. And then on the other hand, Davis is also averaging 32 minutes per game, the lowest since his rookie year in New Orleans. So. Wow. If you want to talk about load management and the correct way to do it, this might be it. You want to blow out teams. That way you have the chance to set out your stars later on. And I think there, that's a way like to not stir up drama because you don't get to pick and choose which player gets to sit out or whatever. It's just based on their yeah. performance. So I think that whatever the Lakers are doing, they're doing it right. Now maybe they just might need to address why they can't win at home. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any theories or thoughts on why that is? Um, I think it may also be the fact that there's still no fans in the stands, right? COVID's still going on. Um, and that, like you said, a lot of teams, especially these big teams, are getting rest because these other teams are having COVID run rampant, Um through their their players, their staff, so people are getting time off. But as as far as um, you know, winning at home, I'm actually I think it's the fans. I think they miss the fans, yeah. and when they're away, they're probably more motivated to to win because they're not home. They're already on the road. They're in a hotel. They want to get it over with, etc. Uh, and I think what LeBron said about. Um, the Pelicans game, like you said, that was their first home game after the whole stint uh, away, is that to go into a game after being on the road is tough. And that's true mm -hmm. because you're just so used to just, you know, get up, go, go, go. And then you're like, oh, you're home with family, yada, yada, yada. So and they um, they were down by, I think, I believe, like 12, 15 
20 points in like the first half of the game. Um, and that's weird for the Lakers, especially against somebody like the Pelicans. Granted, they have Zion, uh, but he only had 21 points that game. So it's not like he was dominating like he usually does in the paint, and especially not against somebody like James or AD or Schroeder, who is an amazing defensive player. Um, I think he really reminds me of Patrick Beverly, but in a less like annoying way. <laughs> I think like a Patrick Beverly, but that can shoot. Yes. <laughs> actually puts up points doesn't do a whole lot of trash talking just lets his work like you know simple simple man (laughs) simple simple like that um and even James only scored 21 points 80 had seven uh 17 but where they lack somebody always seems to pick up uh Mm -hmm. you know Caruso has had a big breakout games in that game against the Pelicans he was up he was plus 28 and he only played 18 minutes like come on (laughs) um and he had uh three three threes three straight threes that was that game when he had he had three straight threes and he had four assists so he's definitely opening up the floor like he usually does getting his little dunks, you know, hyping up the crowd that's not there, but we're there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then the only thing that worries me about the Lakers right now is that loss against the Warriors. I think they got a little complacent. Let's talk about it. Yeah. (laughs) They, yeah, they lost. The Warriors beat the Lakers on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Mm -hmm. So, I mean... Should it be, like, a big mistake that the Lakers let it slide? What will this do for the Warriors' confidence? I think that this was an important an important win for the Warriors. Maybe not that big of a deal for the Lakers. Just yeah. because the Warriors are looking for a little spark, anything to make them hot. And because of that solid second unit, like with Pascal and Kelly Cooper Jr. and Andrew Wiggins, they saw Curry out there being aggressive, and then they came with their aggressiveness as well on both sides of the court. And it paid off because at the end, they managed to win against the Lakers. And I agree with you. The Lakers kind of just gave up on defense. They were up, I think, by 19 points at one point. Yes. So how do you let that lead follow through? And then when you do want to end up playing well in the fourth quarter, it's a little bit too late. <laughs> yeah. And then the Lakers also had some um, some mistakes They had turnovers that slowed them down. Um, They had a few foul calls towards the end that slowed down the game. So, I mean, it's a huge deal for the Warriors. I don't think it's that big of a deal for the Lakers. But if they come back home and they're not able to win, maybe something might be up. I don't know what's wrong with Staples Center all of a sudden. I love Staples Center. So, (laughs) I think if they can keep winning on the road and they just have to come back home and win one, I won't worry. I don't think any of the NBA would worry when you have LeBron James and Anthony Davis on your team. No. But um, like I said, I think it's a big win for the Warriors. It gives them momentum. It gives them the confidence that they're looking for. And especially for their newer players like Wiseman, like Oubre, who kind of need to see themselves win and against a team like the Lakers or the best team in the NBA that's where your confidence goes up. And then you remember, oh, wait, I also have Stephen Curry on my team. Um, I think we're pretty good. We can go ahead and make this a playoff season. If that wasn't the vibe before, it is now. Yeah, I totally agree with all of that. Uh, I think 
like I said, it is a little concerning for the Lakers. You can tell if they get complacent, if they think they're just going to win, then they're going to play like that. LeBron only had 19 points. You're not going to win with your star player scoring under 20. It's just not going to happen, especially with a competitive team like the Warriors. They may not be the same caliber as they were a few years ago, but they still have Steph Curry, and he will show up, especially um, knowing that he has so much basketball knowledge. He can tell. You know what I'm saying? He could tell when they're they're laying back, they're not playing defense, they're not getting back as fast, you know, yeah. they're not moving the ball around. You could tell that, like, in the four, fourth quarter. No, Curry they weren't moving the ball. disrespect, uh-huh. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, and that's... You know, watch this. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how you get turnovers that turn into points for the other team. And the Warriors went on a 15-2 run with, I think, like, uh, with five minutes left. So you've been leading this whole game, majority, 42 minutes, you've been dominating, and then you wait for the last five minutes to kind of, like, go to sleep. I mean, come on. And they were shooting 53%, and then at the end, they only shot 6 of 19 in the fourth quarter. So you could tell that they were not putting it they're all in. And like I said about Curry's basketball knowledge, him and Eric Pascal, they had eight points each. In the fourth quarter. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? That's a lot of time. That's a lot of points that you're giving up. Um, and Schroeder, I mean, he put in the most effort. I think he's always putting in the most effort. I think he has a lot to prove, uh, especially since I believe he's only on a year contract. Uh, they were just talking about that, that they're going to have to make that decision if they want to extend him. So he has a lot to prove. But he scored 25 points in that game. Um so yeah, that definitely a defining game for for both teams, for the Warriors yes. and Lakers. Uh, just a few weeks in, a few games in. I mean, we're we're barely to twenty games, so it's not that big of a deal, I think, for the Lakers. But it is like, you know, just a little eye opener. Like you're, this is what happens when you let go on defense. You're the number one defensive rated team in the league right now. Boom. This is not what you're supposed to be doing. So the fact that they let that happen, and then I think they also went a whole seven minutes in the fourth quarter without making a single field goal, that adds up. And then um, the Warriors, you know how they like to play fast. The, the Lakers were just not prepared, or maybe they were prepared, they just let it get too far away. But this is a learning moment to see, well, if you're going to be playing teams like the Warriors that like to move fast, that like to make runs this is not the game to let go of the pedal on especially on defense especially yeah. on defense no, and i mean um it, it went the warriors way and i was excited because we had not seen curry and lebron james play since i think 2018 so it was a while and um i i was excited sad they lost but it's still a great game and i like to see that the warriors are still in it they haven't gave up given the circumstances of how their organization is right now at the moment. Right. Another team that mm -hmm. is not giving up either. Oh, wait, no, let's let's go back. Because yeah. the Warriors did something really cute. Really Very special. nice. Did you, did you see what they gave our new vice president, Kamala our, Harris? Our madam, our madam vice president. First woman, first woman of color, first Asian woman, first black woman, just first, 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 first. So we got to give it up for her because that's an amazing thing, not just for her, but for women all over the country and all over the world, proving that we can do it too. We could get to the top too. Um, so yes, the Warriors being that 
Kamala is from Oakland. They gave her a customized jersey that said Madam VP um, in their traditional Oakland street uniform uniforms. And those were the same uniforms I believe they wore against the Spurs. Um, so that was very special. And she says she's going to hang it up and that it means the world. I would wear it. She needs to wear it. Excuse me. <laughs> I know, right? No, wear it around the White House. Hang it. it. <laughs> Game yeah, I thought it was so cute it was such a and especially the video that they made surrounding her and especially because she's from the Bay Area so there's just so much love and so much commitment and so much passion and like you said so many firsts in her that it's truly a, it's historic like I try to stop myself because then I start to cry thinking like dang like literally just a hundred years ago like None of this would have been even a thought in some women's minds. And now I have either a niece that's growing up that wouldn't even think twice about seeing a woman as women in sports or women and in the White House. So yeah. I think it's such a surreal moment. I'm so happy that the Warriors did this for her. And um, hopefully whoever wins the championship, maybe the Lakers will end up going to the White House or whatever team wins this season. So I thought that was really cute and really sweet and very historic moment. Very yeah, historic definitely. Moment. I also wanted to note, too, after that um, Spurs game, Steph Curry is actually nine away from passing Reggie Miller on the NBA career three-point list. Um, wow. And he's 422 away from passing Ray Allen. Good luck with that. But, you know, if he stays around a little longer, maybe he'll pass Ray Allen. But Ray Allen think- number one on the list? He is. Numero uno for three pointers. I think um, he's gonna it. <laughs> yeah, I mean the I thing that. <laughs> yeah, I, I believe if he, you know, doesn't retire in the next five to seven years, I think he could hit four thirty or however many he needs to pass him. Uh, just considering that he's only nine away from Reggie Miller, and he did this in eleven seasons, getting to that many three-pointers, and Reggie Miller did it in 18 seasons. So, yeah, he's definitely well ahead, well ahead, definitely. I also want to take a pause real quick and tell everybody thank you for joining in to the IG Live. Yes, if you hear this on the podcast, we are live on IG right now. So we just want to show our people some love. We appreciate the love you're showing. Coming to listen to us chat it up about West Coast sports, basketball, and all that good stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. But, yes, back to topic. So... The next team we have is <laughs> the Suns. Let's talk about the Suns. Yeah. So the Suns have been doing, um, um, they've been a little bit inconsistent. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll say that. They've been inconsistent. Uh, they lost against the Grizzlies. They won last night against the Rockets. They lost against the Pacers, I think. And they lost against the Pistons, they just keep, or they beat the Pacers, they just keep going back and forth, and nothing seems to be consistent with the Suns, except for maybe DeAndre Aiden, who is coming into his own and being more aggressive in the past couple of games, given it's just two games, so we're not going to go wild here and make him um, MVP Mm -hmm. or anything like that, but he's finally kind of I think living up to his hype as the number one overall pick of the 2018 draft. Um, I think the last couple of games have been well for him. He has, let me 
pull up my stats here. He scored 18 points and 16 rebounds in the loss against the Grizzlies. And although they lost, Chris Paul was able to find him in the paint, and Aiden did not disappoint. Like, every time Chris sent the ball over to him, it was a basket. It was a done deal. He had five dunks in that one game, and three of those came from Chris Paul assists. So the chemistry between Chris and Aiden is definitely getting better, definitely there. And now I just think that if he can continue to be consistent, then they might not need to have Devin Booker score 30, 40 points every single game or every other night. Yeah. And then on, and then that was one double-double. And then after that, with the Rockets, he got another double-double with a season-high 26 points and 17 rebounds. So I think Aiden's aggressiveness is looking up. He's getting better. He was also 11 of 15 from the field. So something is going well for him. I don't know. It might be his teammates pressuring him to be more aggressive. That's finally getting to him. It might be Chris Paul and his mentorship and just being there that has helped him. But I feel like getting Aiden on board and being aggressive, it might be that key switch that the Suns need to be more consistent from here on out. Yeah, I totally agree with that, definitely. And if you look around the league, you always see kind of like a point guard and a forward that mm-hmm. they're, they like have that connection and they it kind of reverberates throughout the whole team. And I believe Chris Paul has found his dude as far as who's he going to lob it to, who's he going to throw it to. Now, he, he has also been getting some really great plays with Jay Crowder, who is stepping up into that. Um, big man role too. He was kind of quiet. He was, you know, uh, injured for a second. He was out, in and out, whatever. Um, but in that game versus Houston, Crowder had 11 points and he had a huge alley-oop from Chris Paul. Uh, and that kind of just boosted the morale throughout the team. But going back to Aiton, I think this is his turning point season for him, definitely. And, and like you said, as a top draft pick, it, well, it's about time, sir. <laughs> <laughs> he leads the team uh, with field goal percentage. He's shooting at 58% right now, which is amazing. Uh, and he's breaking his season highs, like you said. And he helped, uh, he helped the Suns end that two-game skid. Now, the Suns have been... Mm-hmm struggling as far as wins losses but then they also had like a few games postponed which threw them off of kind of their uh just their balance I think and for them to come back and beat I think that first game back was was Houston was Houston or it was yes so it was Memphis but then they they were away so they had two games three games postponed yeah. And then they were away at Memphis, and they lost, and John Morant went off. I saw the game. It was really hard to stop him. <laughs> and considering the fact that uh, the Suns are – they're improving, but I don't think they have that, like, quick reaction, quick adjustment kind of thing yet to figure out how to deal with somebody who's having, like, a fire night like John Morant. He had 17 points and. 10 assists, and then he took a major charge at the end, which sent them overboard as far as uh, leading the game because they only won by four. The Grizzlies only won by four. So Aiton only had 18 points, uh, six, 
16 rebounds? I don't know if I wrote that right. 16. But 16, mm-hmm. so boom. <laughs> Sloppy handwriting. Anyways, <laughs> but still, that's, I mean, that's amazing for him, but he led the team. And again, if you don't have a superstar, two superstars scoring 20 points or more, it's hard to be a team that is young and fast and fluid like the Grizzlies are right now. And Booker only had 12. Uh, granted, he's leading the team as far as average points per game, but I I do feel like Booker could do a little more. I feel like he's been kind of like a little bit of a background player uh, at, versus the, war, the the Lakers, how the Lakers look. It's like everybody knows their slot, their position, what they're going to do when the mm-hmm. pressure comes on. But it's like the Suns is still kind of like, yeah, you're a shooter, you're a shooter. Like, you go in the paint. But other than that, it's like, ah, <laughs> yeah. we're, not, we're not sure how to uh, function in these very, very clutch moments. And that's why they are losing very close games like that. Um, and then, sadly, getting blown out, going into overtime and stuff like that. But <laughs> they, they feel, they give me the Clippers vibes from like a year or so ago. When it was like, you okay. could tell that they were good, but they were still yeah. losing these awkward games because nobody really knew what like they were something doing. Something was missing. Something yeah. still kind of missing. Yeah. They need like, to tinker it with stuff. And I give the Suns credit because they are kind of tinkering with their lineup. So you mentioned you mentioned Jay Crowder having a better game against the Rockets. They took him out of the starting lineup. So now he's coming off the bench. That could have been a spark, a change that was needed from the Suns. Booker had also, like you mentioned, he had a bad game against the Grizzlies. Is it that big of a deal? I don't know. He's still Devin Booker. I'm not going to, unless he's being consistently bad. I just think that we're just so used to him scoring and going 30 or 40 a night. Then now with a more well-rounded team, not Mm -hmm. much is needed for him on offense. But there's still much needed on defense, which is something that he can kind of look on to add as a player because when you're having a night where you're only making 12 you're only shooting 23 percent from field goal range and making 12 points you have to contribute then somehow somewhere else and that needs to be done on defense so Booker had a bad game he just needs to kind of learn to be maybe more well-rounded so if he does have a bad game his rest of his teammates can pick him up but he can still do something on the other side of the court and so, um, yeah, I mean, the Suns, I, I agree. They still need to do a little bit more to kind of just get themselves ready for the playoffs if they want to make the playoffs. And if they can make the right changes, that's the difference between just making the playoffs and winning a championship. And we'll see if they have it together in time. I don't know. It's kind of, you, we just said they missed the whole week off of January 11th. They hadn't played since January 11th, so they missed a whole week. And they could have either worked or it didn't work for them. It worked for Aiden. I don't know about the rest of the squad. No, (laughs) definitely not. But I don't know about the rest of them. But let's see. um, Do you want to add anything else about the Suns? We can keep it moving. (laughs) I mean, just to add, you know, just the first weeks or so of the schedule and one through five, as far as the Western Conference right now, the Suns are sitting at four. They're eight and five, which is probably one of their best starts to a season. Uh, and their win percentage right now is uh, uh, over 600. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's good for them. So I have hope. I'm yeah. excited to see what they do. 
I mean, I don't think it's the end of the world. Like, they're going to do something. No. It's just they have to tinker with it. We have to remember we're still in a global pandemic here. <laughs> Things Girl. are happening around us. The world is changing as we speak. So, um, yeah, I don't. I wouldn't put it too much past them. It's just we'll give it some time. I feel like in a week or two, if things are still inconsistent, then we panic. Yeah. I mean, not at me. I'm not a Suns fan, but <laughs> everybody else can panic. I'll just be here talking about the panic. <laughs> but another Sorry. team that's not panicking and that maybe has found the key to their puzzle are the Clippers. Um, they're on a five-game winning streak right now. And according mm-hmm. to the team, they are meshing. They are getting along. Their team chemistry is amazing. And it's all happening with Serge Ibaka and Lou Williams, who were out for most of the games. But they're back, and they're still meshing. They're still winning. So yeah. um, I think I read an article where they were saying that um, it's due maybe to the communication that they're able to communicate with one another more. It's a different staff. They're allowed input especially to their head coaches and coaching staff. So they're saying that that's maybe the key piece that needed to be changed. Um, I don't know if I vibe with that. I mean, it could be true, but I feel like there's been other movements that need to be happening in order for this chemistry to work out. I feel like the main thing is probably that they stopped the load management on Kawhi and Paul George. Yes. They have not set out any games. There's no need for any animosity or any drama between them. And I feel like that's now how they can finally gel and get along. And it's been working. Their most recent win against the Pacers was 129-96. to 96, So another blowout win. Yeah. I don't know what's up with all these blowouts happening in the NBA. It's like, I know, that's, that's a lot. 40 points. Like, you round up, that's 40 points. Like, you lost by 40. <laughs> and that's like no overtime. That's regular regulation and, game. <laughs> so, yes. Uh, that was a huge blowout for the Clippers. Seven Clippers were in double figures that game. And the Clippers bench outscored the Pacers 65-14. to 14. Wow. Yeah. Woo, so, the bench? Oh, okay. The bench. The Let bench. me find they out. They kind of had some problems with it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so there's definitely, I think, like a new mind frame, like mind kind of mood happening, new outlook. And um, it could be what the Clippers have been missing for the past couple of seasons. What do you think? Yeah. I want to be like, hurrah, but that image. <laughs> like, I want to jump on the bandwagon, like, but. <laughs> yeah, like, that image from last year when they just tanked in the playoffs is still fresh. <laughs> it's Rana still fresh. will never let it go. I will, will never. never let it go. I will die. Making fun I of her grave <laughs> on my grave, like LOL at Clippers <laughs> 2020. Just remember, um, but yeah, I I think it's a little early. I think they it's I have hope, there's more hope involved, uh, just because of how they look and the fact, like you said, that they're not doing the whole load management thing. It's like they're actually putting an effort to be a team instead of just being like a team with good players you know what I'm saying wow who knew that would work <laughs> yeah <laughs> so the fact that they won five in a row is amazing but then when you look at the fact of who the teams that they played Chicago Nola that was probably one their more significant win because of you know 
Nola is not is they're not a lower caliber team like the Bulls or the Kings. They they won two against the Kings, and we've been talking about the Kings, and I have some hope, but now I'm just kind of hurt <laughs> because they won one and four on the road. And they're not even part of this episode, girl. We're not talking about Kings no more. We Listen, we don't have to talk about them in depth, but I'm just saying that the Clippers beat them twice out of their five games that they won in a row. Yeah. And that's not an amazing thing to be like, oh, yeah, they they rule. Like, no. Yeah. It's <laughs> just definitely the Kings. Not. Yeah, exactly. It's just the Kings. Now, I think on paper, besides the fact of the teams that they beat um, – in, in these past five games, they have scored at least 13 threes in five straight games, which I believe is a franchise record for them. Uh, so that means not only are they sharing the ball more, but they're understanding the dynamics of the team. Who's open, you know, who's going to shoot it, you know, who's going to play off of who. Um, and, I think that's what proves that, yes, there is definitely improvement. Kawhi had 32 points against uh, the Kings in that game. Paul George had 19, and he had a career-high 12 assists, but he also had a team-high six turnovers. (laughs) So for every plus, I feel like we could give the Clippers, there's also a negative it's like, yes, they look all bright and shiny now, but what are they going to do when the pressure is really on and they're playing teams uh, like the Lakers, like the Celtics, like, um, I mean, their their schedule, I'm looking at their schedule right now, is pretty easy. It's pretty easy. They, well, they have to play the Nets uh, February 2nd, so that that's mm-hmm. a big game. Um, but other than that, I mean, they, they play OKC in Atlanta and Miami. Miami may be a good game, too. But I think we still have to see how they par up against these big, big teams besides the, you know, besides the Kings. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I mean, you you have to win the Kings. If you don't win, win against the Kings, then we're kind of there's an issue. But I feel like it just adds to whatever confidence they had. It just continues to add to them. And I know it's like they've or we've been making such a big deal about how the chemistry has to be on point. But I agree with you as well. At the end of the day, a job is a job. Mm -hmm. We both go to work. We sometimes don't like who we're working with or we have issues. That doesn't stop from production to happen or anything to stop us from happening. So in the same way, y'all don't get along you still have to kind of win and produce and get to a certain level especially when you have players like Paul George and Kawhi Leonard on your team so I mean I feel like this could be the turning point because maybe last season they were pushing too much the narrative of brotherhood and we're all in this together and we go fishing and we're like the bestest of friends no fishing (laughs) gotta be quicker than that (laughs) Oh man, I crack myself up. <laughs> we're gonna do that with a meme, but instead of the Bernie Sanders, we're gonna have that old man. Yes, it's gonna be Kawhi's face on the old man. Yeah, I'm trying to catch the fish, which is the ring. Oh my god, okay, let's do it. Anyway, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so I feel like they were trying to push that narrative, and now they're like, okay, well, we're done with that narrative. Let's actually do it. And it's kind of been working out for them because they're winning. And they're winning the easy games that they should have been winning either way. So 
the clippers are clipping. They are, and they're not, like, clipping themselves off either. One thing also oh. I want to mention is that I feel like it's not all about Kawhi and Paul George anymore. It's like, hey, mm-hmm. we have a full roster of guys that are completely capable of playing. Um, you know, step up. What you going to do? How are you going to do it? Not just Lou or, or Bev, who, who've been there forever, but people like uh, Zubak, who, you know, coming off the bench and then was in the lineup, but he's still putting in work. Uh, he had 11 points against the Kings and a season-high 12 rebounds. Um, so things like that is what matters. And then Marcus Morris, he came in versus the Pacers in that 129-96 win uh, with a season-high 20 points. So the fact that these guys are coming into each game like, I want to get better, I want to get better, how do we get better, that is is a hopeful mindset. And I honestly, I don't wish bad on the Clippers. I know I talk my crap about the Clippers all the time and I love I love to poke fun at them because it's just it's too easy. It's funny. Um, it funny. is it, just a little giggle, a <laughs> little little laugh, little chuckle uh here and there, but yes, the fact that they have staff changes and they have a championship team um coach in Tyrone Lu and he does not seem to be taking any crap. Um and I think I think we're on a positive track with them, but we're going to see. It could go yeah. either way. I mean, it's like you have Kawhi, you have Paul George, but you also have other players, and now they're kind of like the emphasis. It's a team, actually, now. And mm-hmm. it's just, I don't know. I just think it's funny. Like, they used to, they want to push a narrative, like, oh, the Lakers are all about superstars. Da, 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 da. It's like, this is, you guys were trying to do the opposite, and then the opposite thing happened of what you guys wanted. And now that you're not pushing any kind of narrative, you can just be yourself and let the story be told through your level of play or whatever your game playing. Exactly. That's what should have happened since the beginning. There shouldn't have been like this animosity or this crosstown rivalry, which is fun. But once you get stuck in that role, you're, yeah. you're not going to go far. And um, as for emerging headlines, the Clippers are supposedly rumored to be looking for um a trade package for Lonzo Ball um I don't know if you've heard about it or not I was just looking at the articles they're allegedly so we don't I don't even know how serious this is but the Clippers are definitely needing of a guard who can shoot as we mentioned um before they have Patrick Beverly but he's very well on the defensive end and we want they want somebody who is both on good on both ends so a trade package for Lonzo might just be a rumor now but could come into fruition 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 (laughs) fruition fruit (laughs) Um, into fruits fruits of their labor (laughs) into fruition yeah so um I think if that would end up to happen the, the Clippers would be kind of being proactive and seeing what needs to be done it's still just allegedly and it's still just rumors so I'm not gonna dive too much into it until like a solid source until Woj tweets it I won't say anything I won't talk more about it but um just sounds like the Clippers know what they kind of need are kind of being proactive and um it's looking okay for them for now so before we end it because I feel like we covered everything right I think we got everything yeah okay way too early championship prediction who you have oh my god duh lakers it's impossible they just beat the bucks 
I'm gonna say the Clippers. No, I'm just kidding. I'm no. <laughs> the Lakers. End this live right now. <laughs> Messy. <laughs> um, we could be in for a surprise. It's 2021. It's a new year. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? The fact, the fact that the Lakers beat the Bucks though after they lost to the Warriors, because I was like, dang, if they lose to the Warriors and then they also lose to the Bucks, ugh, something ugly. might be up, right? Yeah, but, but no, apparently LeBron had 34 points, so he said absolutely not. <laughs> he said two nights in a row, no, two games in a row, mm-mm, not happening here. Match for the chance. Oh, no, it. we're not doing that. Sorry. <laughs> Responding. <laughs> Y'all can have hope for Dallas, but I love my guy. Uh, why is his name escaping me right now? Luca. You know Luca. Yeah, he's great. And Porzingis, they're yeah. like such a cute little, thank you, Leslie. <laughs> You got me, girl. You got me. You're right here. <laughs> yeah. That's about it. Yeah. We want to thank everybody who joined the IG Live, who joined in through listening to our podcast. If you haven't done so already, our podcast is called West Coast Mix and Bounce. You can find it on Spotify, on the LAFC Network. And just this is basically what we talk about. This is how we talk. And um, this is just a new way to, you know, get your basketball information. If you're tired of hearing it from ESPN or the usual, this is mm-hmm. definitely the spot you want to be at right now. <laughs> definitely. Because we're amazing. I mean, how can you deny us? <laughs> right? Look at this. Look at this. <laughs> we're great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thank you, guys. Bye. Bye. <laughs>